starting at verse 17, and that's on page 1175. Ephesians 4, verse 17. So I tell you this, and insist on it in the Lord, that you must no longer live as the Gentiles do, in the futility of their thinking. They are darkened in their understanding and separated from the life of God because of the ignorance that is in them due to the hardening of their hearts. Having lost all sensitivity, they have given themselves over to sensuality so as to indulge in it in every kind of impurity, and they are full of greed. That, however, is not the way of life you learned when you heard about Christ and were taught in him accordance with the truth that is in Jesus. You were taught with regard to your former way of life to put off your old self, which is being corrupted by its deceitful desires, to, make, to be made new in the attitude of your minds and to put on the new self created to be like God in the true holiness, in true righteousness and holiness. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Well, we're continuing our series in Ephesians chapter 4. We've had a couple of weeks um, break, um, but we're back uh, looking at our health check, using this passage to give us a bit of a, an MOT um, as a church. So um, let's um, just pause before I speak, and I'm going to read verse from Psalm 139, which is really a prayer for us all. Search me, God, and know my heart. Test me and know my anxious thoughts. See if there is any offensive way in me and lead me in the way everlasting. Amen. I'd like to tell you about <clears throat> Elsie. Elsie is a friend of mine. She's 103 years old, and yet she still lives on her own in sheltered accommodation. I used to visit her fairly regularly when I lived in Oldham. And on one of my last visits to her before we moved here, she told me how she always prays before she goes anywhere. Now, Elsie doesn't really go anywhere anymore. What she means is before she stands up and walks carefully to the kitchen or to the bathroom. But before she does that, she, always, she told me she always prays this prayer. She says, Lord, you lead and I'll follow. I thought, wow, this is amazing. This is how she's lived to the age of 103. I've discovered the secret of eternal youth. <laughs> I could write a book. I could make a film. So I asked her how long she's prayed this prayer. Now, I expected her to say, I've been praying this prayer for over 75 years every day. But she looked at me and she said, three weeks. <laughs> so I resisted saying, three weeks? And trying not to sound too disappointed, I asked her, when did you start praying this particular prayer, Elsie? Or why did you do it? She said, well, I was reading my Bible and I can't remember what I was reading, but I decided I must start praying like that. You lead I'll follow. So once I got over my initial disappointment, I thought, actually, that's amazing. She's 103 years old, and she's still reading the Bible every day with the expectation that God is going to speak to her. She's still prepared <clears throat> to change the way she thinks. Now, this morning, as we approach these verses, do we have an expectation that God will speak to us through his word? 
Are we committed as Christians to growing and maturing in our faith? You see, the Apostle Paul who wrote this letter wasn't just expecting people to turn up on Sunday mornings. The expectation is that we will listen, learn, and put into practice what we're hearing. So as we continue to think about what it means to be a healthy church, we're going to see how a change in our thinking is really important and how our thinking is linked to the way we live. So I've got two subheadings uh, for our health check this morning, uh, two things that matter to God, a change of thinking and a change of lifestyle. So let's begin with a change of thinking. Let's read verse 17. So I tell you this, and, and insist on it in the Lord, that you must no longer live as the Gentiles do, in the futility of their thinking. So the Apostle Paul has got something really important to say to the young church in Ephesus, and so therefore also to us, because actually he speaks on behalf of Jesus. He says, stop living like the Gentiles do. And he'd say, he would say to us, stop living like everyone else. Stop carrying on as if you're not a Christian. Stop going along with the crowd. He wants them to recognize that there's a difference between who they once were and who they now are. In particular, he's concerned about the way they think. And he describes this as a futility of their thinking. And at the heart of being a Christian is the realization that the way we think has changed. But how does that happen? Well, if we jump ahead in our passage and look in verse 23, we see how our thinking gets changed. We're told we've got to put off the old self, put on the new self. And we're told that the more we get to know Christ, then we are made new in the attitude of our minds. It's a daily process as we commit ourselves to God. Remember those verses in Romans 12 that say, Therefore I urge you, brothers and sisters, in view of God's mercy, to offer your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God. Do not conform to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Then you will be able to test and approve what God's will is, his good, pleasing and perfect will. I wonder if you have a time in the day that you set aside that when you spend time with God, perhaps reading the Bible, reflecting on what you've read and praying, it's essential that we do that if we want to grow in our faith. And there's a whole way, load of ways that we can do that. There's Bible notes, but there's also apps that you can get on your phone now to actually, if that's your preferred way of doing it. Or there's websites that you can go to that help you do that. But Paul goes on to describe what we were like before we met Christ. Let's, let's read from verse 18. He says, They are darkened in their understanding and separated from the life of God because of the ignorance that is in them due to the hardening of their hearts. Paul is saying that before we came to, to faith in Jesus, our minds were darkened in their understanding, which led to a separation from God. Futility in thinking leads to darkness, which leads to separation. Now, although we can't see those things, what we can see is the impact of that in our lives. And that's what's described next in verse 19. It says, having lost all sensitivity, they've given themselves over to sensuality so as to indulge in every kind of impurity, and they are full of greed. I guess there are many things that can shape the way we think. And our parents have a huge influence on us. We catch many of our values from them. 
Many of those may be good, but for all of us, there will be values that we need to challenge. My mother grew up with a good, loving father, but he had the habit of telling white lies. He lied about many things, including the fact that he was having an affair. So my mum has a big thing about lying. She hates white lies. And she's had to confront that issue in her life and determine that in God's strength, she wasn't going to live her life telling white lies. Or it may be that we work in an organisation which has a culture of cheating or exploiting people. And it may be a really difficult place to work as a Christian. And when you challenge it, you're told, well, that's just the way things are done around here. That's why we need to be praying for one another in our work context. The Apostle Paul here is writing to Christians, but he recognises it's very easy for all of us, and he recognises it for them as well, to go back into the old way of thinking. And Paul explains how this happens. Look in verse 18 again. He says they're darkened in their understanding, separated from the life of God because of the ignorance that is in them, due to the hardening of their hearts. It's due to the hardening of our hearts. That's what leads to the faulty thinking that can be seen in all sorts of sinful behaviour. I found the, um, mes- uh, the, the message interpretation of this verse really helpful. They interpret it like this. And so I insist, and God backs me up on this, that there be no going along with the crowd, the empty-headed, mindless crowd. They've refused for so long to deal with God that they've lost touch, not only with God, but with reality itself. They can't think straight anymore. Feeling no pain, they let themselves go in sexual obsession, addicted to every sort of perversion. I guess one of the greatest challenges um, of our day has to be pornography. And it's in this this area that it's so easy for our old way of thinking to blind us. Because sex is God's good gift to us. We're supposed to enjoy it. It's a good gift. But as one preacher has said, we can so easily trivialize his gift and rationalize our sin. We think it won't matter if I watch this TV program. Yeah, it's sexually explicit, but that's what the real world is like now. It's a slippery slope before we get into other stuff. It's a slow creep that we need to watch out for. The lies that tell tell us it empowers women. After all, it's their choice. It gives them work. The lies that say, I'm in control of this. The lie that says it won't affect my marriage because I only watch it when I'm away on a business trip. But it does affect us. It does affect our spiritual life. It does affect our marriages. It does erode our relationship. It does warp our thinking. So how do we respond to these things in our lives? Well, we have to take responsibility and take the radical action that Jesus spoke of. Do you remember when Jesus said, if your eye causes you to sin, gouge it out and throw it away? I think Jesus is saying, if there are places where you go and you're tempted to watch porn or do any other stuff that you know you shouldn't be doing, stop going there. If there are channels or films you see, then stop watching them. Be radical. Do something dramatic and severe and cut them out. Throw them away. And find somebody that you can pray with and be accountable to. So if we're not to live in this way, how should we then live as Christians? And how can we resist the pull of slipping back into our old ways? Let's look at the next few verses as we see the call to a change in lifestyle. 
Leading the Christian lifestyle is all about an ongoing change in our lives. We can't say, I don't want to change anymore. Like the 103-year-old Elsie, we need to be open to what God wants to do and tell us in our lives because the Christian life is all about change. Let's look in verse 20. That, however, is not the way of life you learned when you heard about Christ and were taught in him in accordance with the truth that is in Jesus. The apostle is saying, how can you live like that? That isn't the way you were taught to live. He's, of course, talking to Christians. People have had that moment in their life when they've said, you know what, I'm a long way from God. Between me and God is a huge barrier, and it's all of my making. It's all the times I've pushed God out, hardened my heart towards him, lived my life with no regard for God. It's what the Bible calls sin. And the only way that this can be removed is asking Jesus to deal with it, to accept that by his death, he has dealt with our sin. And when we come to Jesus in repentance and with faith, he gives us new life. And this is what these verses are describing. When you come to Jesus, he gives you a new start. It's like getting a whole new wardrobe. The old clothes have gone to the charity shop and you have a whole new set of clothes to wear. Have you ever done that? Gone through your wardrobe and pulled out all the old clothes and gone to the charity shop? You don't need them anymore, so you get rid of them. So you push them into black bin liners and off you go to the nearest charity shop. But would you ever consider going back and purchasing those clothes again? You wouldn't, would you? They're old and you have new, better clothes to wear. So then why do we do it? Why do we go back and put on the old clothes? Why do we slip back into the old habits and sinful ways? Paul is saying, no, this is not how you first became a Christian. When you first got to know Christ, you left all that stuff behind. And then you went on to hear about Jesus and you were taught about who he really is. You didn't learn he was just a good man. You didn't learn he was just a good example. You didn't learn that he was just a a good teacher. You learned he was a saviour and that he is the Lord, that he's a king who we must submit our lives to. So he's saying continue in that knowledge. He transformed your life at the beginning of your walk with him and he'll continue to do that. Just as we started the Christian journey, so we must go on. Look in verse 22. You were taught with regard to your former way of life to put off your old self, which is being corrupted by its deceitful desires, to be made new in the attitude of your minds, to put on the new self, created to be like God in true righteousness and holiness. So we are to remember that the old self has gone. It's history. All the old way of thinking and behaving has been removed when we came to know Christ. And Paul is painting for us a portrait here. The old person we were and who we become in Christ. The old self was being corrupted. Uh, It was on the road to destruction. But the new self has been freshly created after the likeness of God. So in the midst of taking off and putting on, we are told to keep on renewing our minds, a daily process as we commit ourselves to God. There's a friend of mine that says, whose little catchphrase is this, she says, whatever you feed will grow. So if we spend our time doing things which we know isn't good for us, then we're going to go back into the old ways. But if we make sure that our day has time that we spend with God. If we commit ourselves to meeting with other Christians, reading, praying, worshipping, reflected, then we will feed our new self. We will grow and flourish just as Christ has called us to. So this morning, I wonder how 
your heart is. We read earlier that a hard heart is the root cause of our tendency to go back into old ways. And um, I wonder whether your heart at times feels like this stone, just hard and cold. It's so easy, isn't it, for our lives and our hearts to become like that. Perhaps through disappointment, perhaps through hurt, perhaps through loss, perhaps through anger. How easy it is for our hearts to become heavy and cold and hard. And there are times in our lives when we need to come back to God and ask him to soften our hearts again, to bring us back to him, to help us to lead the life, lives that he calls us to live. So let's just close by praying. Lord Jesus, we confess it's so easy for us to go and buy those old clothes again and walk around like our lives had never changed, that we hadn't got new clothes. And we come to you this morning and ask for your forgiveness when we've done that. And we know often the root cause of it is the hardness of our hearts. And we ask, Lord, this morning that you would soften our hearts once more, enable us to have hearts that are open to you, to what you want to say to us, what you want to do in our lives. Help us to be like Elsie, ready to hear from you and to obey you. Because, Lord, we want to lead lives, lives that bring you glory and honour in our families, in our homes, in our workplaces, in our communities. Lord, help us to be men and women that know you and love you and follow you and know your Spirit's power to change us each day. So we commit ourselves to you. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen.